Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, where food bloggers come to get their fill of the latest tips, tricks, and insight into the world of food blogging. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll provide you with the tools you need to add value to your blog, and we'll also ensure you're taking care of yourself because food blogging is a demanding job. Now, please welcome your host, Megan Porta. Food bloggers, don't forget to check out the food blogging forum style community that we started over at forum.eatblogtalk.com. Finally, there's one place that we can all convene and talk and that isn't scattered all over Facebook. Here are the things that I am loving about it. It is free. It also allows for categorized discussions on all food blogging topics And there's a category for sharing successes, aka self-promotion. So no more holding back about discussing your big wins and things that you're promoting. Also, everything is in one single spot. So no hopping around from group to group. And there's an amazing opportunity to network and really get to know your fellow food bloggers in a single place. So come join the discussions that are going on over at forum.eatblogtalk.com. And I hope you enjoy this as much as I do. Don't forget forum.eatblogtalk.com. Food bloggers, are you needing a few extra hours in your week? One of my favorite services that saves me at least two hours a week is Instacart. Instacart is an online grocery shopping and delivery service, and it has changed my life. No more navigating through busy grocery stores while my boys beg me for another treat. My groceries appear at my door within hours of placing an order, and placing orders is a total breeze. If your life is as busy as mine, and I know it is, this service will save you. Get $10 off your yearly membership by using my affiliate link. Visit eatblogtalk.com forward slash resources to grab the link. Instacart, the smartest way to grocery shop. What's up, food bloggers? Welcome to the Eat Blog Talk podcast made for you, food bloggers who are seeking value for your blogs and for your lives. In today's episode, I will be talking to Lorena Grader from greenhealthycooking.com, and we will be talking about Facebook success strategies. On Green Healthy Cooking, Lorena offers healthy omnivore recipes made with clean ingredients. It's all about offering real food recipes made out of 95% unprocessed food, not 100% because she's keeping it real in a real world scenario where all of us have about 9 million other things to do after preparing a healthy meal. Before we give Facebook our attention, Lorena, give us a quick fun fact about yourself. Um, hi, how are you? A fun fact about myself. I am a German. I was born and raised in Germany, but by a Peruvian mother. So I grew up bilingual with a German and Spanish. I married a Mexican, but now I live in Montreal, Canada. Oh, so, my. Oh, wow. <laughs> so diverse. I don't think I could add anything else to that list. That's so impressive. I love it. Well, I love your accent, too. It's just Thank such you. a unique, beautiful accent. So I'm sure everyone else will agree. So I'm happy to talk to you today, not only because you have a great accent, but also because you have Facebook knowledge, which is kind of, I don't want to say controversial, but it's something that a lot of people feel strongly about, I would say. Either they love it or they hate it. Um, And I have to start by saying that I 
am really trying lately very hard to think more positively about Facebook because honestly, it's been a pain point for me for so many years as it relates to my business. But I have to own some of that because I strongly believe that if you speak negatively about something repeatedly, then of course you're only going to get that negativity back. So I'm trying. Bear with me. I'm going to put a positive spin on this today for you, (laughs) for everybody. (laughs) So diving into this topic from a positive mindset, Lorena, let's start by defining what Facebook success means. Okay. So to me, Facebook success means that there is a real connection with your readers or your followers. I think the main problem that many people have, and that doesn't only apply to Facebook, but any social media platform is that they think that it's just, you know, a pedestal where you stand and you shout out your new recipe or whatever content you're creating and you expect people to just react. But social media is social. So you have to be social on the platform and you have to be social with your followers for it to be successful. You you don't go into a room of new people and just stand there and say, I am and I have and I'm the best and I do and I know. But it's more like you enter a room, you try to get to know people first, you ask them questions, you interact and you're social. And then if someone asks a question and you happen to be knowledgeable in that topic, you might to offer you know your knowledge so social media in general and Facebook especially is all about being social and interacting with your audience and the more interaction you have on your platform on your page or in your group the more successful you are so the numbers as such don't matter because you can have millions and millions of followers but you could have accumulated them just because you had one viral video let's say but there's no interaction, then that's not a successful page. But you could have just a hundred perfect followers, you know, that all interact and they all love you and they all value your opinion and they value your knowledge. And that is an extremely successful page. I love that. First of all, I love that you said it's not a platform. It's not a place for us to go and stand on a stage and speak to people. And I think that a lot of us do think that starting out like, okay, this is my page. I'm going to tell you what to like. Here's some things that you should look at. But really, I mean, if we just think of it more as this came to me as you were talking about thinking of it more as a party. So the word social is in there for a reason. It's not for you. (laughs) It's not all about you. But yeah, like if you think of it as a party, like you are maybe the host at a party and you have all these people who are here and they want to like be a part of your party, then you have to engage them. You can't just stand and talk to them. I absolutely love that visual of like getting yourself off the stage and getting down and getting to know people. So I love that. And also, um, you mentioned the numbers and people get hung up on numbers. Food bloggers are great at this. I too have gone through periods where I've not just on Facebook, but everywhere. Like, why aren't they climbing more? I just literally before we started talking was looking at my Facebook numbers. I haven't done that in a while. And I was like, wow, they are so low considering how long I've been doing this. And it's so easy. So what are some good strategies to like 
not to do that. Okay, so looking at the numbers, I think is actually a good thing. But you shouldn't just be looking at your follower numbers, right? But rather the whole engagement, so to speak. You want to make sure that you get plenty of comments. You want to make sure that you interact with all of the people that comment, um, even if they don't ask a question, but just comment something like, this looks really yummy. Then you you, you can really try and get into the conversation so they know it's not a like one way channel, you know, it's not this person on a pedestal just commenting stuff. Um, I've actually had angry comments of people on my recipes saying like, I hope you really answer like assuming, but assuming because of course they know so many pages and they automatically assume that the bigger the page, the less likely the person will actually answer, which is not the case in, in with my page. I always answer. I mean, of course, there are some comments that slip through. Sometimes I get too many and I just can't answer. But as long as someone like interacts in my comment section and I always try and answer and always try to engage my readers, like I really, really, really think that is the most important Um And you need to ask questions also in the caption, you know, just don't just announce your recipe. Oh, here's another chicken noodle soup. And everybody will think, well, great. I mean, whatever. Right. Um, But you can, I don't know, put something in about you, about your business, what you represent. You know, if it's a healthy chicken noodle soup, you can put something personal in there about how you got your kids to eat this soup and you love it so much because it's loaded with vegetables, but it also has pasta, which they like. And I don't know, you know, just engage people. Something that had um, my audience very engaged was when I once posted a slow cooker recipe and I said how funny it was that by making a slow cooker recipe, you already knew at eight in the morning uh, that, you know, all the suspense was taken out of the day when you already knew at eight in the morning, the kids peeked in the kitchen and were like, ew, I don't want to eat it. So they found that funny. They could relate, you know, and then the whole conversation starts. And there's obviously lots of moms commenting, oh my God, my daily struggle. And then you can interact with them and you, you get to know them really, really well, you know, and this is actually what you want. You don't want huge numbers, but You want to pay attention to the numbers to figure out what your audience really wants, because that's what you have to post. And it's the same going back to the whole party and hosting, right? If you're hosting a party and you made, I don't know, liver and turns out nobody likes it, right? You want people to return, but you also want them to know that you won't make them live again. So basically, that's what the numbers are there for. So you can analyze, you can figure out what your audience likes and give them more of what they like because you want them to be happy and you want them to come back. So it's not about necessarily looking at like how many followers total I have, but it's looking at each individual post and looking at how many people are commenting, how many people are engaging, and then doing more of that if you get a lot of engagement. And that is how you will automatically grow. You know, if everybody starts talking about your dinner party and how amazing your food is and everybody starts telling uh, their friends, you know, oh my gosh, you you should come to this party or you should try and become Lorena's friend because she She's the amazing cook and an amazing host, right? That's how you get more people and that's how you get more engaged people and how you get people to talk about you because you are fulfilling their needs and wants. Yeah, I like that you also mentioned a little while ago about just common courtesy, interacting with every single person who goes to your party. If someone comes and 
assumes that you're not going to reply or even the people that hope that you will reply just every single person. And I think this goes across all platforms and blogs as well. But it's just courteous to reply, even if it's short. Take the time, I think, every single day, every week. And like you said, some of some people are going to slip through the cracks, of course, because you get busy and things get piled up. But f- like as a general rule, for the most part, I say just make sure that you do that. Because think of it again as a party. If people are coming to your party and they come up to you and say, I love the liver that you made, then and you don't reply, then they're going to yeah, they're going to be like, well, that was rude. Yeah, I'm not coming back here. <laughs> what a terrible host she was. <laughs> so basically what you want is you want to pay attention to the analytics because it's what tells you if something's going well or not. But you shouldn't like really stress about how many people are following, only how many of those people that are following are interacting. That's the only thing that matters. Okay, so talk to us about analytics. When we go into our insights, and I'm going to open my page right now, what what are the most important things that we should be looking at? Not just the like numbers and the engagement on each individual post, but what should we be looking at inside of our insights? Something that I love to look at is usually engagement. So if you go into your insights and then on overview, you have engagement and you want that to be somewhat consistent. Of course, it's always going to go up and down a little bit, But you don't want like massive, how do you say that, like suddenly have people not engaging anymore, drop off exactly, which could happen if, for example, and okay, so we're going to have to venture into a little bit of a different topic, but it's basically stay niche is what what I would call that. Because let's assume you are a vegan blog, right? And you post only vegan recipes and then suddenly um, you have a friend ask, oh, can you please share my chicken I don't know, whole roasted chicken on your page and you're like, ah, well, you know, I could try. That's going to have a lot of people, a lot of your followers being completely put off, you know, because they're clearly following you for your vegan recipes and suddenly you post a chicken and they don't want to see that, right? So they're going to maybe not necessarily report you, but they're going to uh, click hide or hide all. And that gives Facebook a sign of, okay, people really don't want to see that content. And then they're going to stop your distribution and your reach. And that really hurts you. So you really want to stay niche. So in my case, it's not necessarily veganism, but people want healthy recipes. So I can't, I don't know, put a super sugary, buttery dessert on my page and expect it to do well. It's ultimately going to hurt me. So every single individual piece that you post should be within your niche. What are your feelings about things that have nothing to do with food? Because sometimes on my page, we post things that are just really funny, but it's like a cat, you know, a a cat meme or something that's just like hilarious or Keanu Reeves in his faces that he makes. I do post sometimes funny things or funny memes or something, but always food related because the... The problem when you post something about a cat and your page is not about cats or pets or or animals in general, it might be so funny that people share and share and share and people interact and you assume, oh, this post is doing really well. My audience really likes it. But the problem is different. It's being shared and shared and shared and people will start following you because of that one post. And then you're accumulating 
the wrong kind of audience. Now, next, you post one of your recipes, which all of this new acquired audience is not interested in because they never never signed up to follow a food page. They signed up to follow a page that posted a funny meme. Yeah, I've never looked at it like that because every time we post something non-food related and it does great, I'm like, oh, good. That's great. Let's do more of that. But really, that's probably not what we should be doing. Exactly. So I really always think you should be niche. You want to accumulate the right kind of audience. You want to have the right kind of people. You want to interact with those people. And then you want to find out what they like and post what they like, because this is what's going to keep your page what I call alive, because you don't want a dead page. You don't want a a page full of followers that are not interested in your content, because by then you can post whatever even if it's like super amazing content and it just won't take off. That's very helpful. So let's back up a little bit, going back to insights and post engagement. So obviously we don't want to see any like massive drop-offs. Is there a number that we should be looking at? I think that will depend mostly on how big your page is in general and how your engagement is in general. And it also depends on the kind of content that you're providing, because for video, for example, there's a lot more insights and a lot more to study, so to speak, than if you post a photo or a link, right? And there is a purpose for each individual post and the analytics will be different for each post and success is basically seen different for each individual post. Because for example, if you post a link, people will click on it and go to your site. The purpose for that post is to get people to your website. A post like that will not be beneficial for your Facebook page because we all know Facebook as well as YouTube, as well as Instagram, as well as, I mean, all the platforms want people to stay on their platform. So if you only post links then you won't achieve much on your page and your page will die and it won't be able to generate any traffic to your website. You have to kind of keep it balanced. You want to make Facebook happy so Facebook can make you happy with all the traffic that it can give to your website. So let's say you post a link, then success would be measured by how many people click over to your website, right? And you can't take the analytics of Facebook itself and say, oh, this post tanked because yes, of course it tanked because Facebook never wanted you to necessarily post a link in the first place because they want you, they want your audience to stay on Facebook and not go to your website. And let's say a video that is uh, intended for exclusively Facebook and maybe you don't even put a link in it and you, it, you just post it purely to make your page and your followers happy and Facebook happy. That post success would be measured by how many views it had, how many interactions, how much engagement, how many likes, how many shares, how many comments, you know. So that would be a post that you would have to analyze on Facebook itself and say, oh, yes, this is what's keeping my page healthy. Those posts would be called engagement posts because they're purely there for engagement and to keep your page healthy. So really, there are different ways to measure success as far as engagement goes. So it's hard to just look at it and say, okay, I need this number. That little graph that we see that pops up below the post engagement, that's what we should be looking at. Do you look at insights on Creator Studio? I don't. I'm just looking directly through my Facebook oh, okay. page. Because but I see that, like I a little line. <laughs> okay. I just see a little line graph and it looks fairly steady. So I'm assuming just like looking for something that would be like either a, a drop, like a just a drop off or something that might be alarming. I don't know. 
The problem is that it has changed a lot. You know, insights have changed a lot because before they used to be like, you know, you want 10 times the reach of your followers and then your page is healthy or you want this much engagement per likes. But it all changed a lot. And I think it changed mostly because of how Facebook is evaluating how uh, if a page is healthy or not. And as I said, like each individual post also has a different way to be analyzed depending on if it's a link and you want it on your website or if it's just an engagement post and you want people to stay engaged on your page and and keep your page healthy. It's not a mathematical thing anymore unless we're talking about video because for video, this is where I think they've put in the most effort lately to give us analytics that will help us determine if it's doing well on Facebook or not because they have something new that's called loyalty and retention rates and all of that that will show us if our videos are doing well in the eyes of Facebook. So it's it's hard to say you want 10 times the reach because, of course, if you post a funny meme that will give you a ton of reach and it's amazing for your page, but that's not necessarily amazing for your website, which is why you started your Facebook in the first place. Right? <laughs> yes, this is, yeah, it, I think this is why a lot of people get turned off by Facebook because it gets a little bit complicated. So many variables and there is no clear black and white, you know, do this math and then your page as well or do this and then this will happen. And it's not so much more complex. It's the same for every platform, which is why I actually always recommend that you First, learn one and don't worry about the others. I recommend start with the one that you as a user enjoy the most. Mm, that's great Because advice. you're going to have to spend a lot of time on the platform to understand it and to really wrap your head around it, I'm sorry, and be able to navigate it well. And once you understood, it's actually much easier to maintain and then you can tackle the next one. I think that's really good advice. I mean, you know, we've got so many things to do. And I think so many of us think I've got to do it all. I have to do every single platform perfectly. So I'm just going to try it all instead of just focusing in on one and doing it really well. We try to do just like a little bit of everything good <laughs> instead yes. of... Yeah, no, and that's actually something and I'm I'm really like happy that I figured that out pretty early because I I the same just like any other blogger, you know, I I created a Twitter account and a Pinterest account and an Instagram and a Facebook and whatnot, everything, right? And I had no clue about anything and then eventually I figured, okay, you know what? I'm doing everything. I'm sorry for the language, but half asked. So, I think that that's probably not the best way to do it and then I just figured, you know what? The only platform that I've ever used before starting a blog was Facebook. I've always loved Facebook as a user and I it was the only one that I didn't like hate having to do as a as a blogger. So I figured, you know what, I'm going to focus on Facebook. I'm going to keep the other one's names so nobody else can steal them. But I didn't do anything on them, like nothing. I never posted. I never worried about them. I figured I can do that later. And I really dove into Facebook and I started to love Facebook. And of course, I mean, I don't want anybody to think that it's like easy peasy. I've had my moments of frustrations as well. But the better you know the platform, the easier it is for you to adapt and to relearn and to change your strategy and make it work. And once you know how to do it, and I feel like I have a solid understanding of Facebook now, I then went and tried to understand Instagram. And like within six months, I grew it to almost 80,000 followers. So I think once you understood, once you took the time, it's 
pretty easy to make it happen. I think we all have those platforms that we can all say, I love X. Like for me, mine is Pinterest. I just got Pinterest really early on. I was like, yes, this is my platform. I love it. And I've given it a lot of my time and energy and like just nailed it. Like I figured it out really early on. And so it's given me love back. So I think that it's just a matter of like, what what are you passionate about as far as social platforms go? Because I think we all have that. We can all say that about one. A lot of people feel that about Instagram. And that's the first one that they really dig into. So instead of just like, okay, I have to start with Facebook or I have to start with Pinterest. No, go with your gut. Go with your heart. What are you really digging? Yeah. I mean, you you can't start understanding Facebook by going onto Facebook for 15 minutes a day, right? I mean, it's just not. I'm going to be completely honest here. So I spend hours, I spend whole days on Facebook trying to understand Facebook and trying to make a plan on what kind of content I was going to create. And only with Facebook in mind, you know, because that is, I think, one of the main problems that many people have. They think like, okay, I'm going to create this for SEO purposes and I'm going to create a video and that's going to do well on Facebook. But that's just not the case. You know, if you really want to be successful on Facebook, you have to create for Facebook. If you want to be really successful on Instagram, you have to create for Instagram. Or in your case, you pretty quickly understood Pinterest and you understood that you had to create for Pinterest, right? So I like this kind of visual that I'm coming up with. Facebook and insert the platform of your choice there is a complicated friend. So you need to get to know this friend. And if you really want this friend to bring out the best in you, you've got to sit down and give it your time. You can't just invest a few minutes a day, walk away and assume that the friend is going to like give you its all. You have to truly put in your time. I'm so impressed that you spend hours and days, but that's really what it takes. And people don't take the time for that, especially with something as complex as Facebook, and then they get frustrated so easily. I see it all over the place. Everyone's like, ah, I hate Facebook. Well, okay, but have you really like sat down and given it the time it needs? And I have not. I mean, I will fully admit that I haven't. I've tried, but then it's like, I like I kind of get there and then I walk away and I think, well, I didn't really like invest the time that I should have. And I understand that. But yeah, it does take time and energy and like, I don't know, some digging too. You have to dig through your analytics and just like really treat it like that party we were talking about and getting to know the guests that are coming to your party. What are some other ways that we can get to know people that are coming to our page wanting that niche content? You can only dig through your through your analytics when you have analytics, right? So uh, when you're just starting off or your page is basically dead, you have to start posting several different things, right? Uh, you, you post, I don't know, maybe a funny meme, but in niche, and you post a video and you post a photo and you post um, a link and maybe a, a vegetarian recipe and a baking recipe. And I don't know, I mean, whatever's in your niche, you're going to have to diversify and then you have some analytics that you can analyze and figure out what your audience likes. 
also be very active in the comments. Even if people write, oh, this looks yummy, you can you can ask questions, right? And you can say, right, it does. Um, I love chickpeas. Do you love them as much as I do? Or I don't know. And that way you can figure out, oh, okay, this person is really liking this recipe because it has chickpeas and because it's vegetarian. Maybe your audience really likes vegetarian recipes. This person likes this cookie recipe because it turns out it's gluten-free, you know, and you can figure out, oh, turns out most of my audience is gluten-free. So I'm going to offer them more gluten-free baking recipes. So in order to be able to analyze, you first have to put out a little bit of content. And now what works best on Facebook in general is video. I mean, video will always get more reach and Facebook like favorites video. So video will always give you more analytics as well, so to speak. Yeah, video is key. And I think it's been that way for a while. That's been trending in that direction. How do we figure out which videos are best, depending on what our niche is, and then like what to create for Facebook moving forward? That's something that has been constantly changing and it is especially changing lately, I feel. And I'm trying to adapt while still keeping the audience that I attracted in the first place happy because the short, tasty style, what they call like hands and pants, the square videos, the 60 seconds really quick that don't only show the hands and like how the recipe is made without any talking and just music. Those used to do really well. And those were the ones that went viral, crazy viral and made many, many pages grow massively, right? Now Facebook has noticed, okay, people just watch them like what they, they call them food porn because they just watch them and that's it. And they drop off and and they don't necessarily make the recipes or stick around on Facebook or anything, right? But what Facebook wants is to have people stay on their platform longer and to engage and to really like submerge into Facebook. So what they're trying to do with their algorithm is favor videos that are three minutes or longer, basically become more of a com- like competitor to YouTube or have YouTubers pulled over onto Facebook and have them create longer content for the platform so people stick around and engage and really like are submerged into the, the platform. So changing or transitioning to the longer format videos is a little difficult because we have to remember that all of us that created the short hands and pants videos, we've attracted all the people that love those kinds of videos. So one thing that I'm doing lately is I post two versions of every recipe. So I I still create the hands and pants because those work really well for Instagram. I create those and post them on Facebook because sometimes they do really, really well and they still kind of go viral, not crazy viral like they used to, but they still go fairly viral. And I also create a a longer and a narrated, like what they call hosted recipe video, where I stand in front of the camera, where I talk people through the recipe and I put in the footage of what I filmed of the actual, like I will tell people, then pour the milk into the bowl and I'll show like the actual pouring into the bowl, which I also used for my short tasty style video. So that way I can create a longer format video for Facebook, which is what Facebook wants and what Facebook favors and what Facebook pushes out in the algorithm, which helps me attract people that like longer content and also train my current audience into liking 
longer content. Yeah, I like that training your audience. So you're kind of adapting or you're going with the changes and the trends that are going, you know, that are changing, evolving in our food blogging world and video creation world. But you're also adapt to helping your audience to adapt as well. I really like what you said. You're training them. So you said that you post two versions, kind of the hosted style and then the hands and pan style. Talk to us about that. I don't post them too close because my audience is pretty engaged and I don't want the same person to see the same video, the same video, but different versions like one day after the other. But in theory, if your if your audience isn't too engaged yet, I guess you could even do that because the video won't be shown to the to the same person, right? I mean, Facebook never pushes all your content out to all your followers. But let's say if you post something and then Facebook shows it to ten of your followers, and those ten uh, react, right? Uh, of those ten, I don't know five like the video and four comment on the video and three share the video that gives Facebook that cue. Oh, this is really great content. The audience is responding. So let's show it to a hundred of the audience. And then that like grows and grows and grows depending on how engaged that the first audience that has been shown the content, depending on how the audience that was first shown the content reacts, it gets pushed further and further and further out in the algorithm or it's completely stopped, right? So if it's shown to 10 people and those 10 people don't react at all, or maybe you get one like and nothing else, then Facebook is led to believe that the content is not good. Now, this is where the whole, you want to attract the right kind of audience and you want an engaged audience, not a big audience comes into play. Because if you post your cat video and then suddenly have a thousand new followers that are only interested in pets and cats and animals, And then they're shown this recipe video, which might be an extraordinary recipe video. And it might be great if only it was shown to the right audience, right? But basically, you're killing your page by having attracted the wrong people uh, because now they're being served something that they won't interact. And then Facebook won't distribute your video further in the algorithm. So you're disappointing the people who you brought in by giving them content that they weren't necessarily there to see. And then Facebook is like, whoa, well, what did you do there? Goodness. <laughs> exactly. So this is why you want to, in the first place, attract the right people, which is also why you never want to ask your family members, friends, neighbors, and so on and so forth to follow you unless you 100% know they're going to love your content, right? It's the typical, you ask your aunt and your grandma, your grandma who doesn't even use Facebook, but right, it's one more follower. But that's one really crappy follower who won't engage with your content and only give Facebook the cue that your content is bad. Or like the family member who comments, but writes comments that just aren't appropriate or like relevant. You're like, no, 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 no. (laughs) Exactly. Just block them, remove them, especially when you're small. I always tell uh, people that are like, oh my God, I'm not growing, which is great because you still have the ability to go through all your followers, remove all the ones you know that don't, aren't interested in your content. You still, you know, if you have a thousand followers, that's only a thousand people you have to go through and like missed out and remove, right? But once you have, I don't know, 100,000, it's going to be impossible to manually go in and remove people. So be happy to have few followers. 
that you can still, you know, go through and remove whoever you don't want. So you can start and try and attract the right people. So video is kind of like your other content that you're posting on Facebook as well, in the sense that you just need to experiment, put up different styles, obviously sticking within your niche, but maybe experimenting with like what you said, Lorena, doing more the YouTube style, putting that on, see how people react to it. If people don't react well, then maybe stop doing that. Or do we keep trying or just like figure out what works well and keep running with that? So basically, um, I think you can you can experiment a little bit, like maybe post three or five recipes in the same style, because sometimes it's just the recipe, right? I mean, you might think it's delicious and amazing or whatever, but people just don't respond. And that's why I'm saying the more you interact, the more you figure out your audience, like my audience specifically for my page. And that's why I'm saying it's not Facebook the Facebook audience or the food blogger audience, but my audience loves avocado. Any recipe that includes avocado does bonkers on my site. Interesting. So that's something that I figured out by talking to them, by posting a couple of things. So whenever I want to try a new style of video or a new style of content, I always make it with a recipe that includes avocado because I know that those recipes the recipes work. So now I can test if the video style will work. That is really interesting that you figured that out that okay, you guys love avocados. I mean, you can't get much more specific than that. But that's a matter of just like what you were talking about earlier, just getting to know people and spending time on the platform. That's amazing. It makes me want to just like schedule out some like Facebook days or just getting to know it because I really haven't done that. But there's value in doing that. I'm sure you figured out certain things. Pinterest, you know, I've talked to a couple of people because I mean, I, for example, I'm the opposite, right? I hate Pinterest. I just, I just don't know. Or I shouldn't say I hate it. I just don't know how to use it. Right. So, but I've talked to others and they said, oh, well, I figured out that people really like close up shots of the food and they really like this and they really like that. And I'm like, oh, OK, so you're basically doing the exact same thing I'm doing on Facebook. And I don't want to spend that time on Pinterest. See, exactly. <laughs> so it's like what you invest in, you're going to figure out and you're going to get return on that. So how often do you recommend, let's say somebody's just starting out and they're they have no idea how often to post on Facebook. What are your recommendations? It mostly depends on how many followers you have. If you have very few, let's say 100, and you're just starting out, um, Facebook will favor your content amongst your followers and will show it more. So you don't want to post 20 times a day because they're going to be basically spammed, right? But if you have a million followers and maybe uh, your audience is very diverse, then they're going to be shown only a couple. And then maybe it's a smart idea, but there is no... There's no exact number that will work for every page. It all depends on how engaged and how diverse your audience is. The more diverse your audience is because you are, I don't know, maybe uh, I'm trying to figure out, maybe you're a mom block, right? And you post about laundry stuff uh, and you post about food and you post about toys and you post about many different things, then you're going to have many different diverse people on your platform. And then you might want to post more often because you want to post something for everybody, right? But if you're more niche, like in my case, I think quality goes over quantity. So if you have one post this day and you think this is going to be really awesome and everything else you find or everything else you created is just not perfect for Facebook, then don't post it. 
because in the end it will just hurt you, right? Because everything you post, Facebook will give you like like a grade, let's say, at school, right? So if you only have an A in your math test, that's going to look much better than if you have if you made a math test and an English test and a French test and a science test and you failed the other three. That's going to bring down your average. <laughs> So what you want is to just participate in the exams that you're really good at. So you really only want to post quality over quantity. My page, I'm posting anywhere from two to four times a day. Yeah, two is usually, I mean, I have enough of a library that I have enough good content that I know that my audience will respond that I can recycle on top of the new content that I'm creating. But if you are only able to create, I don't know, two videos a week or maybe even just one video a week, then post that one video, maybe supplement with your friends videos that you know your audience will like. And, and that's it. Just post once a day. And once you build up your library, you'll be able to recycle the content that worked well in the past and you can start posting twice and so on and so forth. So talking about videos and posting other people's video, how do you recommend doing that? Do we just just literally go to their pages and share or how okay, do you so do one that? One thing that you should never do is download and upload like anybody's content. That is copyright violation. And um, I use something that Facebook is offering that I absolutely love. And it's called the rights manager where you can upload all your videos and you can um, have Facebook find those videos on Facebook and Instagram. So whenever somebody rips you off, it shows up in my rights manager. I can immediately block it and file a copyright complaint. So if you download and upload someone else's video and they have rights manager on, they will most likely report you and you will, your page will eventually get shut down. So the only official and correct way to share anybody's content is always through the share button or something that's called cross-posting. You can have a cross-posting relationship with another content creator. I have a lot of cross-posting relationships with other content creators where I um, accept them as a, a cross-posting buddy and they accept me on the other hand. And then each individual video can be given free for them or me to cross post. So I can post on my website and it will look as if I was posting it, but all the views are on the original video mm. of the content creator. And it has to be accepted mutually, right? Like you can't just pick somebody and cross post. They have to agree to it. Don't want to agree to everybody. And you really have to trust the person because um, obviously when I'm cross posting, I'm linking to their page, right? I, because I want them. It's it's like it's a, a mutual agreement of, okay, I get your content to keep my page alive. So I have enough content because I can't create a video a day. So you're helping me out. And I'm helping you out by sending my audience over to your website, right? So it's it's a mutual thing. But of course, I could be this mean person, right, that posts their video, link people to my page, right? And then there's another very important thing. When you have a, a monetized Facebook page, you're only allowed to post original content. So if the person you're cross-posting with I don't know, stole some content from someone else and uploaded it and let you cross post it, you cross post it to your web, to your page and you will be penalized by Facebook because you posted unoriginal content. It doesn't matter that you didn't know, but you trusted the person that let you cross post and you cross post it. That's why I'm saying there has to be a lot of trust and you really want to make sure that you know the person that you're cross posting with. 
Is there anything else on the topic of video and Facebook that we haven't covered that you think would be good to cover? Well, I think in general, your videos have to have a certain style or have to follow a couple certain rules to be successful on Facebook. Because I've had, I've seen a couple of people thinking, oh, okay, video in general will do better than photo, right? So they start putting just photos one next to the other, creating a video. But that's not, I mean, that's not helpful to the audience. That's not entertaining to the audience. And if people are not interacting with your video, it will, the distribution will be stopped just like with a photo or a link or anything really that you post. So you want to make sure. Um, I think one thing that is very important to have in mind is that how people use Facebook, right? They're on the metro, they're maybe at the red light at the car, or they're waiting at the bus stop or whatever. And they're just standing there on their phone, scrolling, 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 scrolling. And then they only stop when they see something that catches their attention. So that can be a very mouthwatering photo of a food or the first three, maybe five seconds of video. So you've got three to five seconds to catch this person's attention and have them stop right then, right there to continue watching your video. So make sure that those three to five seconds are so jaw-dropping and so amazing, the rest of the video doesn't really matter that much anymore, right? But you want to make sure that you don't put, you know, I've seen so many videos where people just put their logo for the first three seconds thinking, oh, this is branding. But if someone just sees a logo for three seconds, they're like, oh, this video is boring. And they continue scrolling. So I think it's very important to have that in mind that you have so little time to catch someone's attention. And I think that's something, there's something we can learn from advertisement on TV or anywhere where people are also like not interested in zapping, right? They're zapping and zapping and zapping. So you want to make sure that your advertisement, the first couple of seconds is so amazing or so dumb (laughs) that people stay and watch, right? Right. I love your idea about watching ads to kind of get ideas for that. Like those companies put a lot of time into figuring out what is going to capture people's attention. So that's a great idea. And then three to five seconds is not long. So if you're flashing a really boring logo up for three seconds, that's not going to do it. Um, And then I liked what you said about like something being jaw dropping or maybe even just odd, like something strange, like a a weird process that is involved in the recipe that you're videoing. Put that in the beginning. So people are like, what is that? Exactly. And that's what we call the hero shot, right? I mean, that's that too. It doesn't have to be the finished dish. It can be anything. But the hero shot is what catches people's attention within three seconds. I was chatting with Britta, who I know you work closely with, and we were kind of talking about the same thing. And I told her that my by far my most popular video on Instagram is my spinach artichoke dip. And the reason is because we put our hero shot at the beginning and it's like this massive, amazing cheese pull out of the crock pot. And it, it literally was so it went so far that we pulled up and then my videographer was like, she motioned to me, like, pull it out of the frame because it just kept going. So I pulled it to the side and it still was like pulling, pulling, pulling. So we used that at the beginning. And I mean, it's off the charts. People love that video compared to my other content. Of course, you have to be really quick, you know, when you prepare and when you film and you want to make sure that cheese is still melty and it's still amazing. And which is why you should actually put as much time and thought into your hero shot as into the rest of the video. I totally agree. It does require upfront thought, but it's so worth it when you can get that 
amazing cheese pull because if we just set the crock pot aside and like, oh, we can get that in 30 minutes, then the cheese pull would have been gone. So the videos analytics would have looked very different. Yeah, absolutely. So it's worth thinking about that beforehand. So cheese is a great one. A cheese pull oh, like that, yeah. my pH would not have done well. See, yes, I just, I just made that blanket statement. Like cheese is great for all of you, but for me personally, it is people love the cheese pull. So now I focus on that all the time. Like I'll do mac and cheese and I'm like, okay, we got to get this quick because there's cheese involved. Which is great. That means that you're starting to know your audience and you're, you're starting to offer them what they want. And this is exactly what you want for Facebook success, right? You want to figure out your audience. You want to figure out what they like and give them exactly what they like. I've had videos go viral where there was a massive cheese pool that were still semi-healthy. And I thought, you know what, this went viral on another page. It might as well go viral on my page and do my page well I post it and it flops interesting that is so interesting and the other way around as well I have a blogging friend that has more of a um like unhealthy recipes on um on her page and she does really really well I had a viral photo I told her I have this viral photo maybe it'll do good under your page she posted it and she got like I don't know two likes on her 2.3 million follower page <laughs> Yeah. I was also going to mention that drippy stuff for me, like really drippy chocolate or caramel or things like that do really well for me as well. And I was going to make the blanket statement that that would be great for everyone, but <laughs> it's great for me. And I'm glad that I know that. Yes. It's very important to know your audience and to give them exactly what they want. And if they love the cheese pull, then holy cow, then make only cheese <laughs> on everything. And if they love the caramel, then make more of the caramel. And that's how you will grow and you will grow fast. I should do a compilation of cheese pulls, pull all of our cheese pulls together and put them in one video. That's Wouldn't that be amazing? Really yes, that's actually a great idea. That's That would be the ultimate food porn. Okay, so we've talked a lot about video, which is great because I know Facebook favors video and it's great to have your video content on Facebook. Before we move on, I have one more question that we haven't touched on. But before we do that, I just want to touch again on the analytics because I know it's like there's so many variables and it's really hard to tell people go in and look at this number and it should be this because that's really impossible because each page is different. Each post is different. It's just like there's so much going on. What is your advice for someone just not knowing what to do? Are there resources? Are there just any general tips you can give? Okay. Like you mentioned, I have, I work with Britta. Um, she is a content creator for bigger, like massive blogs and she makes video content for them. And together with her, we created something that's called the Food Video Academy, where we go into all the details of how to create video and how to repurpose footage for different platforms, because every platform is different. And like we've talked, you know, Facebook likes one thing, Instagram likes something different. And not only is the kind of content different, but also the format. I mean, as simple as that, yeah, right? I mean, Instagram stories is uh, horizontal and then Facebook likes more like square or four, four by five, but then YouTube likes only the regular, you know, HD size. 
And then IGTV, throw that and in. And IGTV <laughs> again, exactly. So it's all different and um, you don't want to film five videos for the same recipe. So we focus in our course on how you can film thinking ahead so you can repurpose the same footage for all your videos. And that way you only have to add a little bit, you know, standing in front of the camera and talking for for YouTube or standing in front of the camera and talking and using the same YouTube footage, but then just make the ending different when you talk on YouTube about subscribe to my channel and click here and the description below and all the YouTube lingo that I call it. Facebook and YouTube are no friends, mm. so you don't want to use <laughs> any of that language on your Facebook, uh, right. on your content Facebook video, right? You want to talk about, um, you don't want to even incentivize people into liking and commenting because Facebook does not favor that. They don't want you to say, like my content, share my content, do this and do that. They want it all to be organic. So don't use any of those words and don't use any YouTube words in your Facebook long content videos. So those are all the things that we go into in our, in our course. And it's like, too much to talk about in, yeah. <laughs> in one podcast interview. That would be like a 10 session thing. Yeah. So yeah, we made that course. We're really, really proud of it. It's uh, the Food Video Academy. And I think it's really helpful for anybody. And in terms of looking into how to analyze if your videos are doing well on Facebook is um, the content that's the easiest to analyze is always long content because they give you in analytics, they give you something that's called retention. And there you can see how long you're keeping people on your video. Like if you're keeping them for three seconds or 15 seconds or one minute, you want to have as many people as possible watching to the one minute mark and beyond. Okay. So that's, that's, and, and then the percentage, I mean, you always wanted to get better, right? So yeah. if, if your retention to one minute is at 1%, well then try and get to two and then try to get to three and so on and so forth. And the better it gets, the better it is for your page, for Facebook, for your success, for your growth. So you talk about all of that in your academy, correct? We talk about mostly how like uh, video creation and how to create videos. And yeah, yes, of course, I go into uh, a little bit of Facebook and we have a Facebook group, of course, that Britt and I run where people can ask questions. And I'm very open with all my Facebook knowledge and Instagram knowledge that I have. Awesome. And I will put all of the information for that academy in your show notes page so people can access that there. Yeah. So as far as like other analytics, do you have recommendations for like I'm looking right now at page views, post reach? I know for a while people were recommending that you focused on that post reach number in Facebook. And I don't know if that's still the case or not. But how do you recommend that people navigate through the non-video analytics? So I actually only use the Creator Studio um, analytics. I don't use the other ones that are insights. The only thing that I use in insights and that I find very helpful, when you click on insights and don't click anything else and just scroll to the bottom, there is something that's called pages to watch. And there I follow other pages. So I can I can see um, how other pages are doing, what they're posting, how they're posting and how successful they are. This only helps a little bit because it used to be, in my opinion, the most important feature of insights or analytics in Facebook, but it has changed ever since there's long content and video content on Facebook. So what you can see on this pages to watch is other pages that you've added and also your own page. 
and it shows you your total page likes, which is irrelevant. But then it shows you from last week, like how much how much percentage you've grown. And you never want that to be read. Of course, you don't want more people to drop off than new people come in. So as long as it's green, it's great. Even if it's at 0%, you're still okay, I guess. But you want to try and always have it at green. You always want more people and more people and more people to follow. And then something, uh, it's the engagement of the week. And that is the number that used to play a major, major role. And whenever that was at 10% of your followers, it used to be your page is healthy. If it's at five, it's at risk. If it's at 15 plus, that was like, oh my God, right? But basically, that's what it used to be. But now that you can create long content, this might not be as relevant anymore. So if you're not creating any video, then this might be a very important number for you, like the engagement of the week, because you want it to be 10% of your total page likes. Like in my case, I have 500,000 page likes. So 10% would be, holy cow, math, uh, 50? Oh, you're asking the wrong girl for that. Oh, I think, it's <laughs> I think so. so. I, I think that's right. at least 50. Mine is 150. So that's fantastic. That's great. And, and, and that's usually what I hover around 150. If I have a variable, maybe it'll go to 350 or more. Right. Okay. So that makes it all sense. Depends. But you will, yeah, you want, you want your numbers to exist. You don't yeah. want them to be at zero. You don't want your red numbers on from last week. You don't want people to be hiding your content. You don't want people to just unlike and like crazy without having new people come in. So green is best, obviously. So what is the purpose of having other people on there? Because I It helps following it. Only follow people that are doing well. Because people that are not doing well, you, there's not really something that you can learn from. So I love following people that are always in the green and that are always around the 10 plus percent engagement for the week. Because I can check out what they post. Because if you po click on the name of the blogger that you're following, you can see what they're posting and what is working and what isn't. And then you can analyze their page and you can and you can see trends as well. And you maybe you notice, oh... This person was always posting memes and suddenly his engagement dropped off, but now they're not posting memes anymore and it's going up. Oh, okay. So maybe that's a sign that memes are not going to work anymore. Or I don't know, you know, it's just keep a constant uh, lookout for what others are doing that are doing well. Glad you pointed that out because that was not on my list. So thank you for talking about that. And then I know we're running out of time, but I just have one question for you. I guess going into advertising, because there have been times in my relationship with Facebook when I've invested massive amounts of money in advertising, not knowing what I was doing. And then in retrospect, I would look back after a year and I was like, holy crap, that was a lot of money. And then I kick myself because I'm like, why would I ever do that? I didn't know what I was doing in the first place, but everyone was telling me that I needed to spend money on advertising. So I just got to the point where I stopped. Okay. I spent a total of $7 in like six years of blogging on Facebook. So I've never, all my growth is organic and everything. And I honestly, like I've talked to other people trying to learn it a little bit. The more I find out and the more I learn about ads, the less I want to do them because it's so much more complex than we could ever imagine. It's not, uh, I mean, don't never use that boost button. Yes, thing I learned just, that. Yes. I mean, honestly, I think that's a ripoff. I think Facebook advertisement can be an amazing tool 
when you know how to use it and when you have a product that is worth it. Because never try and pay for traffic to your website. I mean, that makes no sense, right? You can't pay one advertiser to pull someone over to your website to be paid by another advertiser for that. That's never, I mean, there's no, there's no gain there, right? I mean, you're, you're, you're always going to pay more for advertisement than you're going to get paid by advertisement. So just for traffic makes no sense. Um, if you have a product, you know, like an ebook or maybe a course and the more expensive, the better, then I think it's a very smart idea to invest into a Facebook advertisement. I actually think it's even smarter to hire someone that is super knowledgeable in that so they can attract the right kind of audience to go buy your product, right? Because if you spend, I don't know, $2,000 in Facebook advertisement and another 2000 on a person that is really knowledgeable and will get you the right people and the right leads, but your product is $2,000, then you actually only need two people off that advertising campaign to buy your product to make up for it, right? That is such a good point. But if you're only getting a couple cents by having people come over to your website and then drop off and go back to Facebook, then that's just not, that's just silly. <laughs> yeah. So the lesson here is either invest in your time and put your time and energy into like really figuring out what you're doing or take that money that you would spend and pay somebody who actually knows what they're doing to do it for you. And I wish I would have had somebody to tell me that a couple of years ago, but oh, well, it's a, you know what? We have those lessons, right? Like food blogging is complicated. And yes. I mean, I figured it out. I was, I was very lucky because I remember putting those $7 or five, or I don't remember how much I put in because it was the first try. And I noticed immediately, I looked up every person that liked my page due to that like campaign that I did like six years ago, they were all spam accounts, all of them. So then I went in, deleted everybody because I knew they were only going to hurt me in the long run. And then I never looked back and I never advertised again. That's actually super refreshing to hear you say that. I was worried that you were going to be like, oh yeah, that's a whole nother, that's a whole other topic. Let's. Fortunately, I'm just not, <laughs> not, not good at any of that. I don't want to say it's bad because I know there are people that are extremely successful with Facebook advertisement. Absolutely. I investigated for a couple of days and that's literally all I did. And it was so, it was like I entered this little door into this crazy world that I had never seen before. It was such a time suck and it was so overwhelming that I was just like, okay, no more, no more dimes, no more pennies going toward Facebook. I'm I just think gonna- honestly, as long as you don't have like a super expensive product that you really want to advertise and make sure that people get to your time is spent better learning video, making videos that your audience will like. And that's the fastest way you will grow on Facebook. I love that. That is the perfect note to end this on because you just made me feel so much better. So thank you, Lorena. (laughs) All right. Well, oh my goodness. We have covered so much good stuff. I totally lost track of time. We've been talking for over an hour now, but thank you so much. Seriously, I... I just have tons of notes and I know that all of this is going to be very valuable for food bloggers. Um, We really appreciate your value and time today. So thanks for being here. Thank you for inviting me. Yes. So before you go, share with us a favorite quote or any words of inspiration you have for food bloggers. Um, My favorite quote, and this applies to absolutely everything, Facebook and video creation and photos and cooking and everything in life, um, done is better than perfect. Oh, 
Perfect. Because, yes, um, I think we stress about having something perfect and we end up not posting anything at all or doing anything at all or finishing anything at all, thinking that it has to be perfect. And sometimes done is better than perfect. And there's always time to perfect things later. I love it. Thank you so much. And like I mentioned before, I will add your video academy information to your show notes page. So you can find that and other resources relating to today's topic on Lorena's page at eatblogtalk.com forward slash Lorena. Lorena, tell my listeners the best place to find you online. Um, best face, of course, Facebook. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Green Healthy Cooking is my page and I respond to comments and messages there all the time. Um, I Usually within 24 hours. So that's the best way to reach me. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Lorena, for being here. And thank you for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you next time. We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.